This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. That does not, that does not uh, reflect the thoughts and views of anyone at Cloud <laughs> Just Josh. And I'm sorry that Connor had to be a part of that. Uh, man, that's, that's the kind funny. of stuff we will not cut yeah. into a clip and put Connor on. That is the intro. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. Please let it be the intro. That would be amazing. Oh, shit. Can I play with him? Can I win with him? Can I go with him? Can't do it. Can't play with me. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil. With me today is Adam, who I currently have trade beef with, so we're not really that cool. Uh, I still have to be nice to you, though. Adam, what's up? Man, not even going to throw out my handle. Nope. I guess we are beefing. You don't need your handle today. Also with us is a guy <laughs> who put out who put out an article on Player Profile t- today, actually, that shit on a player our guest last week was raving about, so you kind of know his character. What's up, Josh? Hey, what's up? Fucking watch what you say, Connor, because our guest, other guest is Connor, the most important guest. These other guys are unimportant. He was on what looked like a date night, according to Instagram. Were you on a date today, Connor? <laughs> I was. I forgot that you followed me on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, I'm man. fucking stalking yeah, you, bro. Yeah, sushi, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I'm stalking Connor, guys. So uh, we pulled him away from some important shit, but hopefully we make it worth it. Uh, Connor has work at Roto World, the Quant Edge. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast again, Connor. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is uh, my annual podcast where I get to give out my worst takes as it, as is tradition. So <laughs> I'm excited for uh, for another go at it. You're going to fit right in. Yeah, if, he's, if you're giving bad takes, maybe we should do it more than annually then. Like, have you come back on again? <laughs> <laughs> I did see that you've been all over uh, DK Metcalf's, man, his injury, his, his three-week recovery from a mystery surgery. Are you, like, concerned about this because you're a fan or a non-believer? Dude, I have, I honestly was like, I just was so confused because frankly, like no one really on Twitter knows what they're talking about with these injuries. Like some people are like, oh, he's out for the season. Some people are like, all right, he'll be back in like a week. And I was just like, okay, um, it's, I mean, it's gotta be somewhere in between. And I really didn't know whether you can recover from an injury in a few weeks by having some kind of surgery on your knee. So I just kind of like, you know, throughout the question, can you actually recover from a knee injury in three weeks? looks like the answer is like minor knee scopes. Uh, is very possible, like a little cleanup. Uh, they can be back in like two weeks. So I don't know. I think Metcalf's a pretty interesting player with Russell Wilson and just that kind of dynamic between the two. So I don't know. I'm just really interested to watch them play. I'm not really super high on him for fantasy purposes this year or anything. Yeah, I got to admit, man, you got you either have some really hard working 
Twitter followers or something because there was a lot of knee scopes in your messages, man. I'm like, what's going on here? What's everybody doing, man? Why is I mean, that was here? that was Doctor Twitter. That was like a, I had this happen to me once when I was like a varsity athlete, and so this is the case. Yeah, they were coming out the woodwork, and I was like, damn, I gotta get my knee scoped. I think. So, <laughs> all right. Those so. are the best takes when it's like 37 year old guy who tore his ACL says, "Look, I had this done. Exactly. I know everything about this." Yeah, I seen one person say they had a knee scope and they were back in three three weeks or whatever, and the guy was like, "Yeah," because I mean, you're a better athlete than him, so it's definitely comparable. And I was like, "That is hilarious!" <laughs> Just random doctors and Twitter doctors oh, slandering yeah. each other. It was great. It's great. It's good stuff. <laughs> anyway, what I gotta ask you, man, because you know you work. You do work with Roto World. You do the Quant Edge. What's the difference in the content that you're producing at Roto World compared to what you do at Quant Edge? Like, why, why is everyone going? Why we got to go to every place for you? What's going on? What are we doing here? Well, so Roto World, I mostly stick with news-related items and like how that impacts players and teams. I also do college football stuff for Roto World, so I do like college football news on game days, and then occasionally throughout the week, and then for the NFL stuff. I'll write like a Daily Dose article, which is uh, Roto World's daily article that comes out uh, basically just recapping the news and looking at what's going to happen that day. So like this upcoming season, I'll have my dose will come out Thursday mornings. So I'll basically just like lightly cover the Wednesday news and what happened, how that impacts like fantasy, and then probably give a little preview on the Thursday night game using some of like my betting terminology and looking at the game from mostly an analytics perspective or any injuries that we know are are coming up in practice reports. Uh, So that's mostly what I stick to at Roto World. And then with the Quant Edge, I do prop bets as well as a podcast with Ryan Noonan that's mostly focused on betting. Pretty much all my stuff there is just betting articles. But a lot of the bits that I give there are useful for just like DFS and, and fantasy and stuff like that. I think just because prop bets are such a good mix of mix of everything and something I would definitely recommend for those kind of looking to get into the betting sphere. It's a really natural transition. Damn. So, I, I, so, so you're doing everything, man. You're updating us. You're keeping us up to date, helping us win money, doing everything. Adam, did you check, trying, did, Adam, did you check out any of his articles with your free trial, man? Uh, you know what? Adam, free trial. I think I did because aren't your uh, articles for the Quant Edge all sports betting related right now? They are, yep, they are. Yeah, yeah. I was using it mostly for DFS. Are you doing any of uh, the betting articles there for preseason? Uh, I am not. I'm not for preseason, but I do have a draft uh, article coming out based on my experience at the SBFFC, which is a live draft in Kentucky, giving out like live draft tips as well as just like how I personally prepare for a draft, including like you know forecasting your picks, what kind of strategies you can have, how to adjust mid draft. Uh, like live drafting tips, like actually having a sheet to cross off, unlike some people who literally just show up with a list of guys they want. Um, you'd be surprised at how underprepared people are for live drafts. But I basically detailed that and went through kind of my targets for guys in redraft. So I thought it, it turned out pretty good, and that'll be out in the next week and on the fantasy side of everything. You'd be surprised how unprepared some people come for auction drafts. <clears throat> but I won't, we'll talk about that later. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. So we know we know what you do there on the sports. And just in case anyone wasn't aware of what you were doing. Also, man, I seen on your uh, Twitter bio, I just noticed it when I was, you know, doing a little bit of research on you guys. And uh, you own a catering company, man? Yeah, that's my full-time job. So my friend that. and I started like a corporate catering company and uh, do like three to four events or drop-offs every day around the city of Chicago and the suburbs. So nice. Um, See, this yeah, it's might be my time-consuming job, but it's it's fun and just you know trying to grow a business while I'm young and see if it works out. That's dope. 
I might need a job for you, man. Come over there, start <laughs> catering. <laughs> that sounds cool, well, though. What made you get into that? Did you like? Is this like random, or did you like have a want to? do Yeah, it I had a connection. Or? It's like one of my friends. Uh, parents owned a bunch of restaurants and like we ch- I tried to get into that and like that failed and then um, we tried to like just kind of rework the business and one of our chefs that we worked with like had a bunch of really good recipes so we kind of just parlayed that into catering and that works out a lot better because you're paying for a lot less stuff and you're able to serve more people quicker than having a restaurant so um, it was like lower investment like higher potential to start so it's kind of just the direction we went nice is there any uh, crazy catering stories man Anything crazy happen out there in the catering world? Oh, I mean, Anything like weird? when we're at a, when we're at events, <laughs> like there's some pretty wild stuff goes down. Like you get people just like, I mean, essentially the same as like a food business, like people yelling at you about your food or like just doing some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to get you in who, trouble. Who ask me how much something costs after looking at the menu and then still complaining about the price is just unbelievable. That just really grinds my gears. Damn, people in Chicago. Like <laughs> yeah, that. it's like they can't, don't know how to fucking read or anything. Sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can do whatever you want, man. All right. All right. Listen, <laughs> we, won't, we won't say the name of your catering business. I don't want to, you know, get you in trouble when we out here. It might be some private, might, oh, might be that's some fine. fine privilege. I don't even want to sell to those people, so that's fine. They can just. <laughs> Damn. All right, oh, that's, that's fair, man. That's fair. <laughs> Adam, you got any questions about this catering business? You're there, man. You want to use it for something? I got nothing. You got nothing. All right. <laughs> I was just saying, Adam might have something coming up. He could use a catering. I don't know. Adam doesn't tell us about anything like that. He keeps his private life private. Strange, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead. It's time to sit down. We got to push through some players and their situations. It's nice, you know, to we, we have this this trust issues segment where it's, you know, we kind of help decrease or justify the insecurities and the trust issues that we have along with these players that we're drafting in this game we all, we all love. Um, these players that we're going to discuss today are players who stood out in a negative or a positive way, I guess, depending on how you look at it, in week two of the preseason. So trust issues. I'm just going to throw names at you guys. Let me know if you trust them, if you have trust issues with them, what's going on. We'll start with Connor, since you're our beloved guest today. Uh, Tony Pollard, man. Trust or trust issues? Uh, So I would love to say trust issues here, but I'm in the camp that I think that Zeke might sit out a few games. So um, I think that Tony Pollard, I I trust him, man. I'm really excited for him. I think that he saw all the snaps with the first team when Dak was on the field there and he looked awesome. So uh, I'm not sure that he can handle like a full workload, but I'm super excited for him. And I think that they will be able to give him, you know, 15 plus touches a game if Zeke does miss time. So, yeah, I mean, I, I trust him. I'm on board. That's fair. I, I'm the opposite as far as, like, Zeke. I feel like Zeke's going to just come right back. I don't I don't trust I don't trust him saying, like, I trust Melvin Gordon staying away. I don't trust Zeke for some reason. But does anyone here disagree? Adam, Josh, do you guys really like Pollard in this situation right now? Or do you kind of have issues, like, with the Zeke situation? You don't trust him? Or what's going on with that? I mean, you got to like his upside. Yeah. I, I just – he's skyrocketing up drafts right now. I mean, he used to be going in like the 15th round, and I'm seeing him going as high as like the 10th round on draft recently. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he really is having his value skyrocketing. I mean, with good reason, though. Like Connor just said, I mean, if, you know, people in the industry are already saying there's potential for Zeke to be held out multiple weeks, I mean – We've got to start taking it more and more seriously as the you know weeks tick by. For me, I kind of always set kind of this mental time frame of preseason week three 
for when I was going to start panicking on Zeke. Uh, Gordon's a little bit different of a situation because uh, I believe Gordon can hold out until week 10 while still accruing um, time for this year into free agency. If I understand Zeke's situation, which correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if he holds out, it's not getting him any closer to free agency. I mean, he, he's doing it more to force Dallas's hand. Um, so I think that there's less potential for him to hold out. But, yeah, I mean, seeing Tony Pollard on the field, I mean, he's everything people have talked him up to be. I mean, the kid looks like he's shot out of a cannon. He, he ultimately is in a position, too, on that offense where – even with limited touches, he has the potential to be successful because he's a great pass catcher. So I think from a fantasy perspective, I got to trust him right now. Um, but personally, I'm hoping Zeke comes back. Um, and I still kind of think that's what's going to occur. Yeah. Josh, Adam says he's at like a 10th round ADP right now. Let's just say he's a 9th, 10th round ADP. Do you trust him at that ADP or no? No, not at that ADP. Okay. I, I just, I don't see enough in his profile really i i think that it, it's completely dependent on a zeke holdout which may happen but the zeke holdout doesn't make sense to me and so if i can't get behind that i don't i have a hard time getting behind tony pollard yeah i agree all right so another guy that i know josh me and adam all trust but i'm curious if connor trusts him justice hill Connor, trust, right. trust issues? Um, well, I'm going to be contrarian here. I'm going to go with don't trust. I think that I do like – okay, so I guess at his ADP, I can trust him at his ADP, which is fine. But in terms of like a lot of the hype that I've seen on Twitter of that he's going to immediately assume all third down duties and everything, I'm not really sure that I'm on board with that because – uh, I mean, we just haven't really seen it in terms of like preseason usage or just kind of like what anything that they're saying. Basically, all they've said is that he's he's behind. I mean, he's looked good in preseason. Don't get me wrong. But um, I mean, he's just they haven't been saying like, oh, yeah, he's our guy on third down or he's going to rotate in. It's all just been pretty much a whole lot of nothing. It's been it's been fairly quiet, at least from what I've been reading. Um, so I, I think that at his ADP is fine. Like he's a great, a high upside pick that if he does get, get that role, he's solid. So in that sense, I do trust him. But in terms of like what I'm seeing on Twitter that he's like guaranteed for that kind of role, I'm not really, I'm not really buying that. Mm. Any debate here, fellas? I yeah, need to I'm, hear it. You guys all disagree. So I need, I need to hear yeah. that. We're, hear we're all very high on Justice Hill, but I think even from a realistic perspective, you can kind of look at it like this, which is Justice Hill is uh, currently probably the number two running back on that depth chart. He's behind Mark Ingram, who for fantasy purposes is going right now in about the fifth round, which typically if you're going to target zero running back targets, um, they're more beneficial to target running backs who have a running back ahead of them that's being targeted later in drafts because there's less confidence in them. Um, but just from an NFL perspective, the Ravens project to be a top five rushing offense this year. They might have the most rushing volume projected in the NFL this year. And Mark Ingram isn't going to carry that entire load. So even if Justice Hill is only getting, you know, a 30% work share, that's still going to be much more than the vast majority of running, like number two running backs in the NFL. And I think that he's a versatile player 
we know that he works well in the passing game as well. I don't know how often they'll throw to the running backs there. So that is one thing that if I was going to, you know, have a strike against him, it would be maybe projected targets. But ultimately, I think just with the volume that that offense is going to be running, I do think the Ravens are going to be successful with Lamar Jackson. I do think that they're going to use this sort of hybrid, high rushing offense to, you know, be successful. And I think with that, it's just going to come a lot of opportunity. And ultimately, Mark Ingram's got to stay healthy as well. I mean, on the off chance that he goes down, Justice Hill ascends to this ridiculous value. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see, you know, zero running back talent is when I project a running back who through either inefficiency or injury can ascend to this position where they get monster volume on a highly productive offense. Not to mention Josh. I know Josh likes his his profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing. Like everything Connor said was very reasonable. Yeah, I don't really take any issue with that. But uh, Mark Ingram just hasn't been a backfield dominator like ever. You know, it, <laughs> it was Alvin Kamara before that. It was uh, Kyrie Robinson was getting was getting touches. C.J. Spiller. He's just never been a guy who's been able to monopolize the whole backfield and their volume in, in Baltimore is so much that I think someone else is going to get a chance. So does that make you guys buyers of both Ingram and Hill because you know because you both think that Baltimore is going to be good and that the volume is going to be high or just Hill at a cheaper price? I'm I'd typically buy. buying Hill at the cheaper cost. I do have some Ingram. I play a lot of best ball volume. Um, so Ingram, for me, though, is going in a range where I still really like wide receiver because um, he's yeah. going in like that early fifth round range where I'm getting guys like a DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, guys who I feel a little bit more confident in, you know, their potential. So for me, I've been more pivoting to Justice Hill later because um, I think that there's still a ton of opportunity for him there. But I don't dislike Ingram, especially if you can stay healthy. Like I said, I mean, that's a great situation to be in. What do you think, Connor? These guys are crazy or reasonable? No, I mean, I think it's pretty reasonable, especially yeah. the zero RB take. I think it depends on which kind of how you approach your draft. Yeah. I do think that Hills are like a really good high upside running back because of all the reasons you guys said. But I'm also kind of buying Ingram at where he's at because of a lot of basically a lot of what you said about the offense. And kind of I think that we're a little bit too optimistic on what we think deserves to happen with Justice Hill, uh, because I do agree. I think Justice Hill's a talented player and that he has looked good compared to what actually might happen in terms of like the way the coaches have been like using him or like the lack thereof of talking about him. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's kind of my thing. I think that like Ingram could have a little bit higher touch count and share more than uh, what we're expecting out of, out of here as well. And I think Ingram actually, I felt like received plenty of touches when he was at Alabama. Uh, I mean, there was the whole narrative going around early in his career in New Orleans that Sean Payton hates him. Uh, for no reason because he just like Sean Payton randomly just spell him for someone else or not give him enough touches. And that seemed to be my explanation for why he wasn't dominating the backfield like you were saying there early on. And then he was, you know, sharing touches with Alvin Kamara. And that's uh, very reasonable. I don't really think that, ju that Justice Hill is Alvin Kamara, uh, even if he's is a good above average, you know, pass catching type of uh like back in in that backfield. Yeah. So. And I think like in defense of Ingram, like he has always exceeded like the expectations of the fans or the players in fantasy. Like he, he he's always shitted on to some regard. Like he's never 
he's never heralded in any way, and I feel like he always exceeds what people expect. So, uh, no reason why he shouldn't do it in Baltimore. I feel like he's just getting treated the same way in Baltimore again, you know, without Sean Payton there. I don't know. It just feels that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we all like all both these guys, but just depending on where we draft him and the way we're drafted in that particular draft. Um, the next guy, my Raiders crushed this dude. We crushed him in preseason. I have to take the little victories, guys, as a Raider fan. And uh, Kyler Murray trust or trust issues because he was struggling he was out there clapping and getting false starts and his backups came in and they looked good anybody have trust or trust issues who, who, who feels really strongly one way or the other i already know adam and josh are gonna fucking hit us with all kinds of garbage but connor do you, are, are you are you on kyler's you know what or are you gonna say like come on we gotta worry about this guy a little bit I think that I mean so I guess it depends on like what your uh, what you're thinking of like do I trust Kyler Murray to be like my starting quarterback in fantasy is like that the question or, yeah, or do yeah, I trust yeah, him to be yeah. a top five do you quarterback trust him to be the fantasy? starter do you trust, trust him to be my starting quarterback yeah I do okay. um, because that defense is going to be literally so 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 bad that even if he isn't that good he'll be able to rush the ball enough that it'll make up for his lack in how good they are as a team I don't think that. That top five upside that a lot of uh, analysts have been projecting for, I'm not really sure that that's there if the team isn't able to put together a lot of scoring drives. But I think just by rushing upside alone, he'll be all right. Um, he's not someone that – there are other guys that I'd probably prefer um, over him. But, I mean, yeah, I would still trust him to finish as a QB1 this year. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Kyler Murray this episode, guys. <laughs> His O-line's not that great either. That's another concern. It's like, eh, it's not that great. I know he has good weapons and stuff. Adam, Josh, these two trust them. Like, why even discuss this? We've done this a million times with these two already. They, we they... don't have to discuss it, but I do want to ask Connor's opinion on this clap situation because this blew my mind when it was getting called, and I still don't understand it. And the NFL's response that they're going to allow referees to call it based on their own judgment just infuriates me, and I was really curious <laughs> to get an opinion of somebody who, like, writes in the industry and – yeah, what what do you think of this whole, you know, now you can't clap to call a hike rule or what what are the nuances to it that, you know, people need to understand? Because in my opinion, I feel like I've been seeing quarterbacks do this for years and I'm not understanding at all what Kyler is doing that's different, that's getting him flagged. Well, before Connor talks, I don't think he's clapping. I think it's the fake clap, like the motion of like going into clap and not clapping. Is that right, Connor? Yeah, I think I think that, that that probably has more to do with it. I mean, a lot of times with it, like the the clapping, it's um, towards it's towards the end of like their play clock. A lot of times as well, like they're just basically like, "Give me the fucking ball, like let's go." <laughs> um, and um, so, I mean, the the fake clap there is like if you like, kind of look around and you're able to almost like like just like the motion with your hands, like it can really throw off other people. I don't, I'm not really sure why. Didn't the, Aaron Rodgers but, specialize this move? Yeah. He's been doing this for years. I'm telling you, I don't think it's the clap. The, the it's move the fake to get clap. the false start, like that's what I'm saying, is not not to snap the ball, because to snap the ball is okay. That's not a false start. It's a legal play. You're yeah. snapping the ball. What I don't understand is the false start. I get it. You can't. They're saying that you cannot clap without the ball being hiked. That that is a false start. But I've watched Aaron Rodgers do this for years to initiate a false start. He's like become a pro at it. I've seen him do it so many times. I mean, we like herald him for being able to draw an offsides off of his own motion. So I don't know. I'm just for me, I, I get really in my head about the NFL and these ridiculous rules that seem to be 
uh, extremely objective. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't get the designation and why it's different. Connor, you're not you're now understanding the Kyler sensitivity we have here on this podcast, right? <laughs> this guy is they they're sensitive I am about outraged. this stuff. <laughs> the NFL is out to get him. They hate the air raid offense. It's true. <laughs> I mean, the, the NFL just hates everything. Is before, so. It's that pretty boy offense. That's what it is. Get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty that boy offense. The, that was the best part of the Raiders preseason game was that guy. Uh, Neil, who was it on the side guy lines? Talk, who was it? LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner talking about their uh, pretty boy air raid offense. Yeah, it was great. He said we got to get it out the NFL. That's what he said. Mm-mm-mm. Get that sorry-ass <laughs> offense out of here. I think it also might be like one of those things that the NFL really puts like uh, emphasis on kind of at first and then just like doesn't really call that much. Um, I mean, people were freaking out like last season about some um, like the offensive hell rule. Yeah, oh, just like – That's very yeah, true. I, I mean, there's just like something every offseason that the NFL really tries to emphasize and then essentially like calls it super hard like in the preseason and everyone's like, oh my god, the NFL's ruined. You know, like this is this, this and this, like – where it's over, like, you know, and then, like, everyone forgets about it in, like, two weeks into the season because they're not calling it that much anymore. Um, I think it's – I don't know. I, it could be one of those things as well. Uh, I guess we'll have to see and see kind of how that impacts impacts the game. So, I don't know. I'm definitely interested. I think you got you got some good points there with the, with the clapping. So Yeah. All uh, right. So, we'll, we'll so Connor says not top five. Do either of you say uh, Kyler is top five? Oh, did you see my tweet? You must have seen my tweet. I don't know if I've seen your tweet. So somebody on Twitter tweet? was asking for your hottest hot take for the upcoming season. And I said that Kyler Murray finishes as a top five fantasy quarterback, supports two top 24 fantasy wide receivers, and Larry Fitzgerald finishes with his fourth out of the past five years as a top 12 PPR wide receiver. Wow. That's, that's that my is, hottest of hot. That is a scorcher right there. I kind of like it, though. I mean, I did bet on Kyler Murray's over on his rushing yards. It was like... 440 or something for the whole season um which is like 28 yards a game or something like that um so i don't know i would assume that he'll rush for more than 28 yards a game he he averaged like 60 a game or something last season and they project to be playing from behind pretty much the whole year i mean i i mean i think he'll be averaging like 50 60 pretty much the whole year so um i don't know i'm excited i think the top five is like it's within his range of outcomes but i think that i'm certainly more comfortable calling him a top 12 guy and like kind of in that like seven to ten range is where he finishes. Don't worry, he's gonna be running from all them blisses. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That, that's part of the reason too. I mean, he's just gonna have to be dipping out of there, you know. Yep. All right, the last player that we have here for trust issues that we got to get through here emotionally and get our get our feelings out on. And I'm gonna let Josh start on this one since Josh wants to slander his teammate. Uh, Josh slandered Sonny Michelle. So today's guy is Damian Harris, and I'm curious. It may have been the slowest run I've ever seen. But everybody was like, this guy's amazing. He's amazing. And he looked like so slow. But anyway, Damian Harris, trust or trust issues, Josh? Uh, trust issues. I, I guess you could say that this that he has like multiple paths to getting some playing time. Like if James White goes down or if Sony goes down. But I just see him as uh, like just a big nothing. He He's not going to be the, the pass catcher on that team. He's not going to I don't see how he gets significant carries in a game without injury I I just I, I don't want anything to do with him mm, you are not a fan of the Patriots right now man you are not digging these guys Connor Damon Harris any love for him honestly not a whole lot besides kind of the situation he was in I thought that if Sony Michelle was gonna be struggling 
um, and not play as much. I thought that he could definitely assume kind of a bigger role there, but I didn't really like his draft profile all that much. He was kind of just a jag at Alabama beyond just like, I mean, he, he did rush for a good amount of yards and did outproduce Josh Jacobs. But, uh, I mean, if you look at Graham Barfield's uh, yards created, he was, like, significantly worse than Jacobs and what he actually did compared to his blocking. Um, and so I wasn't – I'm not really a huge uh, Harris guy, but I think that, like, if the opportunity arises, I think he's interesting in that in these, like, tournament-style redraft leagues that you could definitely make a case for him based on his upside alone. Like, if Michelle does get injured, he has probably has league-winning upside. Um, but – uh, if Michelle is not injured, which is looking like he's not, then I'm I'm not trusting him. Yeah, I don't trust him, Adam. Quickly, no trust. Yeah, Connor kind of stole the words right out of my mouth it's when he talked thief, about tournaments. Connor. Like I I like him in tournaments because if Sony goes down, he does. I mean, he has huge potential, um, just because of how Patriots like to run in December. I mean, and that's when your playoffs are going to be. So like in that regard, I still like it. But if you're in a standard redraft league. I mean, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that you end up cutting in like week four because you're just going to, or week five once, you know, by weeks start hitting. It's just, he's that kind of player. I feel like the Patriots always kind of have one of these guys. Um, but then again, you know, year after year, it's always the Patriots running back that's taken last that seems to ascend. So mm-hmm. let's just say you got to be patient with Damian Harris. I, I think if slow. Sony goes down, I want all the James White. James White? You all want no James Damon White. Harris? Mm. That's James of... White's not going to run between the tackles, though. I don't. I, I just. I don't care. Like it doesn't. <laughs> it does. Sony had two hundred some odd catches, and I think he was an RB three points per game. Sometimes I wish these players listened to these podcasts to come after Josh. Josh is like, hey, Josh I'm is like sure I don't Sony's even care. Very talented, but you. You just. You can't. You can't get it done without being. More involved in the passing game. These empty calorie backs, as you call them. That's right. Empty That's calories. Go check out Josh's <laughs> article. He says I don't read his shit. Go check his shit out. Go read his shit. It's worth it sometimes when you're taking a shit to look at some of the stuff he writes. All right. Now that we're finished, you know, sifting through our emotions and our feelings with trust issues, let's go ahead. Let's be bold. Let's be confident, guys. Let's take some fire takes here. We're going to rank some players. We're going to rank some guys. We're going to start. I'm going to throw out these lists of three guys. And we're going to rank them. We're going to see how we feel about them. The first group of guys, we're going to do a running back group, a wide receiver group, a tight end group, and a quarterback group because we're super fucking efficient and cool like that. Um, Matt Breda, Duke Johnson, and Justice Hill. Connor, since you're our guest today, rank them. Breda, Johnson. All right. I will go with Breda, number one, um, and then give me – uh, uh, this is tough. I don't know. I'll go with I'll go with uh, Duke Johnson and then Justice Hill. I know you guys aren't gonna like that one, but I'm fucking pissed. Yeah. Fucking Brady, you guys are all. Yes, everyone hates Coleman right now, right? Everybody hates him. I get it. I like I like him both. I get it. I get it. I get it. You like him so much. You like Coleman so much that you like his backup over Duke and Justice Hill. This guy. No, I'm just kidding. They're all backups. So who cares? Anybody disagree with Connor's thing here? I I think I would go Duke first, just because I think between Tevin and Lamar Miller, Lamar Miller is worse. <laughs> so <laughs> I agree. And the, the surprise, uh, the the San Francisco 49ers backfield was like surprisingly uh, productive in terms of just yards created. They 
They had, they were very, they had a very productive backfield. Matt Breida was the most productive back. I don't think Tevin Coleman is going to be able to expand what he did as a Falcon very much as a 49er. I think we know who Tevin Coleman is, but it's still better than Lamar, Mil- Lamar Miller. So, so Duke Johnson won, followed closely by Breida, and then I... I think you got to put Hill third. Is, is it blas- like is him. it blasphemy to say I don't like anybody in the 49ers offense except Kittle? Like he's the only guy I actually like, I actually want, I actually believe in. Like in this list here, I'm going Duke, Justice, and then Breda. I don't like the 49ers offense, man. I just don't like uh, it. I mean, I think that's fair. There's a lot of uncertainty with the 49ers right now, which ironically is why I like Matt Breda. He's a pass-catching running back in a situation where – I don't think anyone right now has any idea who in San Francisco is going to catch the ball other than George Kittle. And I think that with that level of uncertainty in the wide receiver core, it opens up a lot of opportunities for the running backs. So I think that for me, it's had me start drafting Tevin Coleman where I was pretty much fading him and Matt Breida is just moving on up. So I'd actually rank these the same as Connor did, which uh, I think might surprise some people. But I think that the pass catching ability for Breida and for Duke Johnson kind of pushes them up. My ranks are typically going to be based on PPR. I think in a non-PPR, I would put Justice Hill ahead of Duke Johnson um, just because I don't think Duke Johnson is going to get a heavy workload. I just think that his targets are going to be so much greater, and he's in a high-powered offense as well. So he's going to have a lot of opportunity to score in those patching down situations. So I think that for me, it's it's Breida Duke Justice. The Chicago boys stuck together on this one, Josh. Yeah, that's what I figured. The mafia. What a surprise, these guys. <laughs> fucking scar faces and shit over here. Fucking. All right, let, let's try to split them up on the next one, Josh. We'll let you start this one. Though. Let's 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 get you to start the let's plant the seeds in their mind. Let's see if they separate. Uh, these ones are the wide receivers: Allen Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Jarvis Landry. Rank them. Well, Jarvis Landry belongs third. That's that's like step one, and then. <laughs> <laughs> stepping up the ladder, I think the next one would have to be I uh, would have to be Alshon. He he is, you know, the number one wide receiver in that offense. At least at least he's the presumptive number one. And then Allen Robinson has a chance to really to really appreciate and value this year. He's a year away from that ACL. Maybe Mitch Trubisky can take another step forward. Maybe Matt Nagy can can help. Trubisky progress and and support a number one wide receiver like what I think Allen Robinson can be. Before either one of you guys from Chicago go, I just want you to see that Josh over here was flexing his Oklahoma brain power by going backwards on us <laughs> to lead us up to number one rather than start at number one. So he's flexing. You guys can take that however you want. He's clearly showing off some skills on us. Uh, Adam, Allen Robinson, Jeff, Jeffrey, Landry, I mean, I just like how you had the Chicago lead into that with uh, Connor and I both being from Chicago, and then Josh <laughs> takes the slow route to put the Chicago yeah. wide receiver at the top. I He's being it. crafty. He's being crafty. But uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're all in line with uh, at least that portion of this. Yeah, for me, Allen Robinson is at the top of this group. Um, but I I gotta be honest, I've been drafting Jarvis Landry over Alshon Jeffrey, and. Uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I think they both have a ton of opportunity to uh, produce a top 24 season. Um, I think both are probably going to be second in targets in their offense because I do think Zach Ertz will still out-target Alshon Jeffrey. Um, Personally, I think that Jarvis Landry, I mean, when he played alongside Odell Beckham in college, and it was a long time ago, but he was still able to be more targeted than Odell Beckham. And I think that there's this weird thing with Jarvis Landry where he just, he he gets targets, like an insane amount on every offense that he's been on. And last year that didn't really turn into a lot of production. And I mean, I think that there is reason for trepidation, but I think that there's there's that potential with the Cleveland offense ascending that it doesn't just mean Odell Beckham is going to be this outstanding number one wide receiver in all of fantasy. I think that there's a lot of potential that Landry gets pulled right up with him and and finishes top 24. So you're going Robinson, Landry, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. I'm with you on that. Connor, are you separated from this other Chicagoan? Is that what you call you guys? Chicagoans? Yeah. Chicagoans. All right. (laughs) Kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Like we're halfway there. It's not exactly Chicago wins. All right. What do you? Where? 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 Where are we at here, man? So I'm gonna go with Allen Robinson for a lot of the reasons you guys talked about. I also expect their defense to regress uh, a decent amount, enough to the point that Trubisky's gonna have to throw a little bit more. And in negative game script, I think that Allen Robinson will be the number one guy. Um, and then there's good, there's just like a tier and then Alshon Jeffrey and Jarvis Landry are kind of just like, you know, next to each other, uh, way down below. And then for, and there's a big drop for me because I'm just not confident in Alshon, um, to be able to carve out a big enough target share there with so many different players, uh, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, Nelson Aguilar, a good pass catching back in Miles Sanders. I mean, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Jackson. Carson Wentz literally has the best uh, pass catchers of his career, probably. So I'm just not really sold on Alshon seeing a big enough target share um, in order for him to make a big impact. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is just a beast in the red zone, red zone is, and so is uh, Dallas Goddard. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sold on Alshon at all. And then Jarvis, I think, is is a solid upside play, especially if Odell doesn't really command a massive target share. And he'll definitely be that underneath guy. Uh, the Browns definitely have to take a big step forward if Jarvis is going to live up to kind of what we're thinking here. But uh, I don't know. He's just kind of fine. He's not a guy that I'm super, super excited about. But uh, I'd probably actually have him over Alshon, maybe not sitting next to each other. I'm just kind of fading Alshon this season, if we're being honest. But I like the Eagles' offense. I'm not really sure that entirely makes sense. But um, at his ADP, I'm not. I'm not really into him. No, yeah, it makes sense. There's a lot of weapons there. So, and, yeah. I, I feel like the Jarvis Landry thing is something I I'm not settled on because like there's two stories with Jarvis Landry. There's the the splits from late last season where they kind of went away from him and his target share shrank. And there's also this idea that um, Odell's going to come in and demand a huge target share. And so there's that's one path. And then the other path is the the college production where more of the offense went through Jarvis Landry. And I could I could I feel like every offense just kind of if there is a Jarvis Landry on the field, they end up using them. And I'm not sure I'm not sure which one of these two things I see happening. Like if it's gonna be eighteen percent target share Jarvis Landry, or if it's gonna be 
the same old Jarvis Landry we we have gotten about every year. I mean, Jarvis Landry is a player who posted historic numbers his first three seasons in the NFL while he was a number one wide receiver. And I know a lot of that was because of volume. But we've never seen Landry in a situation where there is a number one wide receiver who's able to take the top off defenses while he works underneath. I think that from a football perspective, there's a lot of reason why Landry will be heavily utilized in that offense. I just think that he's going to open so much up in the quick passing game that it's going to allow them to take more deep shots with Odell and that the two of them in tandem are going to be extremely, extremely vital resources for Baker Mayfield. Jarvis Landry is the Mark Ingram of wide receivers, man. He exceeds those expectations every fucking time. You guys just don't respect him. I, I feel like he, he definitely needs like 130 targets to to live up to where he's going. Like his, his volume, it has to be huge. He's not going to have an, an efficiency season. He's got to get fed. And Baker we and, trust, man. I, I don't know. I mean, I could see it. I don't. I just. I don't know. Decide what I want. You're on. You're on the fence about it. All right. All right. That's fine. So you don't buy it as much as we do. It's all right. For some reason, Adam wanted to talk about these old tight ends, so we're gonna move over to them. He, he was really <laughs> into it. He's like, I really want to talk about some old tight ends. But it's so not like, true at all. <laughs> <laughs> according to this, right now it is. So we're gonna rank three old tight ends, Connor. It's kind of the shit we do at Call Dodgers, right? We Call Dodgers, we just go places people aren't willing to go because we got guys like Adam and Josh who want to talk about it. So it. Greg Olson, Jason Witten, and Jimmy Graham, rank them, Connor. Um, don't I explode mean, with excitement. Just. I'll go with uh, Jason Witten last uh, for sure. I don't even know if he can run a route. Uh, I mean, maybe I was biased because he was so damn bad last year in the booth that I just don't even want to see this guy anymore. Damn. Um, but, I mean, he was just a monster. So, is he a better talker uh, or route runner at this point? I can't even give you a straight answer on that. Probably route runner, maybe. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Um <laughs> Yeah, and then who are the other two? Greg Olson and... Uh, Jimmy Graham. Mm, probably Greg Olson and then Jimmy Graham. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm underrating Jimmy Graham's touchdown upside there, but I'm um, hoping Greg Olson's still got a little bit in the tank, and I'm buying the Panthers' offense this season. So um, So you're Olson, Graham, Witten? Yeah. Okay. Adam, since you wanted to talk about this so badly... How do you rank? Oh off? man, yeah, I, I definitely. <laughs> you know, I was really pulling for it. No, I mean, it really just highlights the uh, the age turnover at the tight end position that we're having right now, where these three guys, I mean, even last year were being drafted as top twelve receivers. I mean, with the exception of Witten, you got to go back two years, but uh, yeah, I think Jason Witten is mostly just coming back to the NFL because he has to hide. Um, so we can all forget what happened last year. So, uh, that's definitely last, um, between Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham. I mean, there is a little intrigue for me because if I draft a third wide receiver in best ball, I've had to choose between these guys occasionally. Um, and I do typically pick Greg Olson, but that's mostly because I want to stack him with Cam Newton. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think really either present much upside, but yeah, for me it would be Olsen, Graham, Witten. Josh, 
Tell me there's a surprise. I, tell, me, tell, tell me there's something you're going to shock the world with right now with these guys, man. Shock, shock I will world. tell you that of these three, I definitely have drafted the most Jimmy Graham. Attaboy, I think man. that Aaron Rodgers is going to throw more touchdowns this year, 25 last year. That, that number is going up. And I think that they can just drag Jimmy Graham down the field with them and put it <laughs> in his hands in the end zone. I, I don't think he's going to be out like running routes and demanding target volume. I, for that, I would go with Greg Olson, which I think is probably a safer bet to bet on target volume and air yards, that sort of thing. But I think Jimmy Graham has the chance to just fall into the end zone Listen, 10 times. Find me a podcast that's debating three old tight ends, <laughs> and I will fucking subscribe on the spot because this is the kind of shit I get, I get up for, man. This the, is where it's at for this is where it's at. This me, is the man. fucking juice right you here. You take out Jason Witten and put in Delaney Walker, and this is this is my jam. This is your jam. Is Jimmy Graham older or younger than Delaney Walker? Adam might have fucked up here. Well, I guess Delaney Walker. I think Walker Delaney's so older. He's so much better. I don't. I don't know for sure. He's older. He's probably like forty at this point, but he's still good. So we to me, Delaney Walker is still draftable. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, why this was the this undraftable list. old man tight end list. He was the obvious front runner. I yeah. thought if I made that list. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the quarterbacks who are much more fun to discuss, and the three we have here are Cam Newton, Kyler the Bum Murray, and Lamar Jackson. Connor Rankum. I'm gonna go with my one of my favorite offseason targets as the top one here with cam newton uh i mean he's healthy and he's been recovering really well from shoulder surgery he's got dj moore uh who's been looking good and i believe is ready to ascend to a to be their number one wide receiver and has curtis samuel who's also awesome uh one of the best pass catching backs in the game and christian mccaffrey I mean, the offense is loaded, and Cam has been looking good, so I'm I'm fully buying here. I mean, he's like, you're pretty much your ideal fantasy quarterback because he has top five QB upside, and basically every single season that he's played in, where he's when he's been healthy, he's been a top six QB, and then if he's not healthy, he finishes outside the top ten, and you just drop him and stream someone else. So either you're getting top five production, or you're able to stream quarterbacks if you know that he's not healthy. So I don't know. I'm pretty big on Cam this season. And then for me after that, it goes, uh, this is tough because I really do like Lamar Jackson, but I'll probably go Kyler Murray over him and then Lamar, but very, very slightly. I I really do like them. I do like them both. Adam. Yeah, I actually, so Neil kind of, you know, pulled the veil a little bit and uh, revealed the man behind the curtain. I did set up these rankings and uh, part of the reason I set up these three, I think they correlate in so many different ways. One, they're all rushing quarterbacks. Two, they're all going around similar average draft position. And three, they're all three of my top five most owned quarterbacks in best ball. (laughs) Um, So I was really curious to see how others would rank them. Uh, Ultimately for me, I ranked them the exact same way Connor did. I think Cam Newton essentially already is or already has been what we want Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson to be. Like, he he has shown that ridiculous rushing efficiency upside. And for Cam, it's been in touchdowns as opposed to where Kyler and Lamar will probably be in yardage. Um, I'm sure they'll still store touchdowns, but Cam Newton has had some ridiculously high volume as far as rushing touchdown goes. Um, So ultimately, yeah, I think Cam is probably my first target out of the group. 
but I've been targeting Kyler like immediately after Cam is gone in drafts. It's basically like either of them in the eighth round. I love them both. That you know, if I build stacks around either, they're fantastic for that. And Lamar Jackson's actually going closer to like the tenth, sometime the eleventh round. Um, so I find myself getting a ton of Lamar as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all three like in my draft plan, if I could write one up, it would be get the rushing quarterback that you can get after the eighth round, and all three of these fit that bill. Yeah, uh, Josh. They both have said Cam, Kyler, Lamar. Are you willing to mix it up and go Lamar, Kyler, or your Kyler, I'll, Lamar? I'll go also? a little bit different. Yeah, I, I think Cam has, like, QB2 ceiling or QB1. I, so definitely Cam first. And then if you consider price, I want Lamar over Kyler. Like, I'm, I'm happy taking Kyler around QB8, QB9, but it's sometimes he's going as high as, like, QB6, I'm not really willing to go there. And Lamar doesn't seem to have that same hype. So the price considered, I like the bargain on Lamar Jackson. But I would not be surprised if they finished just like that. Cam, Kyler, Lamar. I like where your head's at, man. I like that. I like that. I mean, I think we're all kind of splitting hairs a little bit. But I get the Lamar price over Kyler. I like it. So the reason why I'm not going to give my opinion, because I have to keep my trade leverage here against Adam, um, I want to ask, talk to you, Connor and Josh. Let's bring everyone in on this, right? So we're in a we're in an auction league. Uh, I decided to, to draft a lot of quarterbacks in a super flex, just you know to keep like my five. Uh, yeah, I drafted five of them to keep my <laughs> stock high. Um, okay, and I tried, you know, got a little arsenal going. And then there's guys like Adam who you know didn't really draft. Well, according to him, he drafted so many starting quarterbacks. Or I got three starting quarterbacks week one. Chase Keenum. Flacco. Yeah, he's one of them. And one of them. Okay, so yeah. So Ryan his... Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Keep going, right? Josh Ross. Joe Flacco. Joe, yeah. Flacco. Joe Flacco. What do you want? All right. Three starting NFL quarterbacks. All right, Connor. So so he's calling them three starting quarterbacks. All right, it's whatever. That's what he believes. That's yeah. cool, right? I have a bunch of quarterbacks, one of them being Kyler, right? He's in, he's likes Kyler Murray, right? So I'm trying to facilitate. I'm trying to help Adam's team, of course. I don't care about myself here. But I want to get Kyler over to Adam's team because, you know, let, let him be his fourth starting quarterback for his sake, okay? Um, <laughs> he has Tyreek Hill, who I'm interested in, right? He has four, like, major – he has, like, four first-round guys. He has who, – who are they, Adam? Yeah, so I, I went with an extremely top-heavy auction draft strategy. Uh, so yeah. I have Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyreek Hill, oh my and God. a bunch of junk. Just a bunch of junk. And three starting quarterbacks, wow. though, of course. Right? And, so. and three starting quarterbacks. <laughs> All right. So I figure, right, he says he says he's willing to move a guy for a quarterback like Kyler. He doesn't really – he says Tyreek is his lowest on the totem pole, which is fair. So I said let's get a Kyler-Tyreek thing going here, right? Now, mind you, this is super flex, so quarterbacks are a little important. And uh, I'm trying to get a wide receiver because I didn't do too well there. Um, so I'm try- we're trying to figure out what I need to add to Kyler – to make him interested do you feel that kyler needs to be paired up with a gigantic piece a little piece a draft pick like what do you think to make if you were the tyreek owner and you had your three starting quarterbacks quote unquote what would you need to move tyreek for kyler this is a redraft super flex correct no no dynasty no dynasty, no, dynasty. um I don't know. I would say probably like a medium piece, maybe maybe a small piece. But 
I mean, if he already is committed to this strategy, like I think you kind of just gotta gotta go for it almost. And if you're really if you're really trying to get Kyler, then maybe just I don't know, throw in a little bit. But I mean, if we're if we're looking at this from your point of view, Neil, you should basically just wait until he has one or no starting (laughs) quarterbacks, and then you have all the leverage. yeah, I mean, it's that easy. Just wait me out. Life is about Yeah, leverage. I mean, I, I honestly would because I don't think there's a great chance. I really do appreciate you taking this strategy. I just <laughs> I hope for your mental health that you're not going to actually watch and support this team. <laughs> oh, no. I've done this in other leagues in one leagues just like this. Uh, yeah. I call my teams the island of misfit QBs because I love doing this in super flex leagues. Uh, but I also have Josh Rosen, so I have like Miami locked oh, okay. up. I have Denver as you know. I have Joe Flacco as long as you know Denver starts him. Uh, I you know I did take a lot of other really cheap upside options like Ryan Tannehill and uh, who else? I got Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that'll pan out, but yeah. So like I took some shots, but uh, but yeah. I mean, my big thing is I'm not gonna panic sell Tyreek Hill like. I bought him because everybody was bidding way too low on him based on yeah. how I had him priced. And I said at that point, screw it. I'm just going to have four rock stars and figure it out. And uh, worst case, in two, three years, they're still all going to be rock stars. And I'll have developed the team via picks. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. Tyreek's going to ball. So, um, but I don't know. In a super flex, though, I think Kyler and Tyreek are. Pretty close, Thank honestly. You. I don't think Thank it's too far you. off. This guy so, Neil, is- you want to part the veil and and like actually tell people what your terrible draft uh, offers were, or do listen, you just listen, want to like listen, leave listen, that? Listen, because I agree. Listen, I agree that Kyler and Tyreek in the situation are close. Not to mention one is one child beaten away from not being in the NFL anymore. But yeah. listen. I've offered stuff like uh, Kyler and then like a second or third. I've offered like a Kyler and like Jalen Richard and CJ Anderson, you know, stuff like that. Cause I feel like, why Nobody's should I have gonna to take that? But <laughs> come on, man. He, he wants just like, I've offered Kyler he, he and wants, like he this wants, shoe that I got. He I wants, only got the yeah. one shoe. He but wants, it looked real good. Listen, he I wants, got, he wants I, Kyler. I this chain. He wants it, it like, like a real chain, but look, it looked look, good. Look at it this way. I need, I want Tyreek because I don't have wide receivers and stuff, right? So he wants me to throw in like AJ Green with it. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. It's too much. I think that's actually a really no way. reasonable no request. No way. Kyler, Kyler and AJ, AJ Green for Tyreek? I don't think so. I think that's chime in, totally chime in, somebody, difficult. someone, uh, chime the, in here. I I enjoy being this far off because I'm totally comfortable going into the year with my ridiculous strategy and kind of want to see how it plays out. But I'll buy Kyler whenever I can for what I think's reasonable. Final words, Josh, Connor, anybody? Neil, you should do that. Oh, you should Sydney, AJ Green, Kyler. You just feel bad for him. You just feel bad for him because he's starting Flacco and Keenum. Uh, it, it's not your team. You're still going to have a good quarterback, and you're going to get to put. Tyreek in the in place of AJ Green. Connor, you agree it's, with this guy? Um, I don't think it's a bad trade, but you should you should wait, wait him, him out. out. I'm gonna wait him out. <laughs> I'm with Connor. Wait him out. He's probably right. To, to be fair, I'm with Connor too. You definitely <laughs> should wait me out. It's gonna get worse. I've I've had these teams before. I won a super flex league where you can start up to three quarterbacks, and I was starting Sam Bradford and uh, oh god, who was oh Case Keenum. Ah, I get Case Keenum everywhere in these leagues. He just does phenomenal. But yeah, so I, I mean, I, mean, I think he's going to get benched. Honestly, I, I'm giving him <laughs> like uh, probably four or five weeks till Case yeah. Keenum is benched, maybe even less. And then I'm giving 
Um, who is your other starter? Fitzpatrick. You have Fitzpatrick and yeah, Flacco. I mean, Flacco's horrible. Like he's just he was miserable yeah, in Baltimore until he gets benched. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that Drew Locke is also horrible. So that's um, the that's the game I play. <laughs> so I don't. I have no idea. But I think you'd rather play your horrible rookie than your horrible old starter. So I don't know. Oh, Probably, I'll go like I'll go like over Ryan under. Like Patrick is the best quarterback I have, and I won't even debate that. I like I like for, the Fitzpatrick like Rosen combo. I think that's a little underrated there. Listen, I'm gonna drag. I'm, I'm gonna drag him into the deep water. We'll see how he how he swims. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. We'll see when that water's up to his neck and it's it's getting like to his it. nose and he's like uh, just trying to grasp for air. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I appreciate everyone's input here. Adam's gonna wait though. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Maybe I'll try him with somebody else. Who knows? Anyway, fellas, there's nothing else for us left to do except for me to throw some statements out into the universe and find out whether we're calling foul or no foul on them. I only have like three today, I think. So we'll see how this goes. And Adam's going to know what this first one comes from because me and him were kind of discussing this offline earlier. But the first statement is there's nothing weird about recording an audio diary of your life, your inner thoughts, <laughs> foul or no foul. Connor, you can start. I'm confused. Okay, let me give you, let me give you an example. Uh, here's what is one. this, an audio diary of yeah. your life? So like, here, here's Connor's day. Ready? Uh, I met this girl today. I really like her. I told her she was pretty. She said she wasn't interested in me. And you're just talking to yourself <laughs> into a recorder. Um, I mean, like, am I sharing this or is no, my, like, my just personal? For you. Just for you. You're just talking to yourself, your inner thoughts, your experiences for the day, <laughs> and you're just logging them up. You have know. a diary and it's just an audio diary. <laughs> I think I think that's kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, like, are you ever going to really listen back on that? Like. So you're calling I don't know, foul. Probably foul. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, whatever. I'm kind of in the you do you boat, but I don't really know when you're gonna look back on that and be like, wow, this is you know awesome. Or, so check it out. Is anyone gonna say no foul? Because I'm gonna put you on a serial killer list. Anybody gonna say no foul here? Huh? huh? I, I mean, is there Josh? some benefit to just like <laughs> telling yourself what your thoughts are? I don't know. You, know you tell mean? us, just Josh. Like you got one the of these processing. going. You got one of these going, man. Do no. people actually do this? Well, listen, I don't okay. know. The re- the re- well, so this is how yeah, it came up. Where it came Neil up. made a great suggestion uh, on the podcast. I want to say two, maybe it was three weeks ago, uh, to listen to this uh, true crime podcast. Murder old. podcast. A murder yeah. podcast. Mur- murder podcast, as Neil <laughs> likes to call them. Yeah, th- them good old murder podcasts. But uh, in it, not only does like the main focus of the case like the the main suspect record his thoughts constantly on an audio recorder but like everyone in it takes videos of themselves and like diary journal entries about stuff like everyone was documenting their lives around this person who ends up (laughs) missing and, and dead and it's just like neil and i were texting we're like who does this who are these people? It was really yeah. weird, man. Like, if you listen to it, like, let's just say there's a wife in the story, there's a husband in the story, there's a father-in-law, and, like, all of them are documenting their life. Like, nothing to do with sharing it, nothing to do with, like, it's like they're just documenting their life. I, I don't know anyone who does it like that. So I was just curious, like, if that was normal and I was just out of the loop or if it was not normal and there's just something unique about this case. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely not. That is not normal. <laughs> Josh, you just stay quiet. I, I get it, man. I got it. I don't think it's normal, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's interesting. I, I highly recommend you guys listen to this podcast. I, I thought it was cool because I listened to a lot of these murder podcasts. And, you know, you're just, like, hearing the story and stuff. But, like, on this one, you were, like, hearing 
everybody's real thoughts and stuff. It was kind of crazy the way they put it together. So, well, was it like uh, just kind of like an, an uh, what is it like a narrator who like knows the thoughts of the people, or was it put no, together no. as like the people were talking about their thoughts? Yeah. No. So it's it's literal recordings played from voice recorders that at least one of the people had, and then they also do readings from. Actors. journal entries yeah, of the actual it. people so it's uh, it's very interesting very like neil and i have talked about true crime podcasts before and our interest in them and to me it, it's very unique in that way i've never seen another podcast that used as that much source material if you will oh yeah i don't know highly Sounds recommend interesting. It. highly recommended guys highly recommend i don't fuck around with my show and tell guys i give that real shit all right next one a quick, I don't know if you guys all watch UFC, but I'm throwing this one out there. A quick win in the UFC, like, you know, you win in 30 seconds kind of thing, is more luck than dominance. Foul or no foul. Adam, you can start because I know you watch UFC. Yeah, that's a total foul. Like, why would it be more luck? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that the guys who have won fights in like that very first second. I mean, the ones that immediately jump to mind are going to be Conor McGregor easily. Like he was the one that brought that moment to reality. But when he did that to Aldo, he talked about how he envisioned it, how he practiced it over and over and over and over. And then now flash forward, the next one that just occurred that you're referencing is when Jorge Masvidal did it to Ben Askren. They saw something in Ben Askren. They knew what he was going to do. And then they drilled over and over and over and over and over again for that exact moment. These things aren't luck. I mean, these guys are very calculated. They drill like crazy. And it is this confluence of events lining up perfectly. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of times where guys drilled like that and never are able to connect in those first moments. But when it happens, it's not luck. It, it came after, like, practicing those moments over and over yeah and let me say this, this is part of the reason why i said it because i had conversations with people after uh cormier just lost to stipe spoiler alert if anyone's watching all pay-per-views um and they said that stipe is the better fighter and that cormier just got lucky in the first fight because he beat him so quick it was just a lucky shot type of deal and so that's why i was curious i'm like how many people chalk up quick wins to like luck or are they saying, like, that was a really good strategy? You came in and planned it this way. You know what I mean? So I was just curious because I'm like, if I see both those, if, if, if you know, Stipe and Cormier at a 1 1 now, 1 1, 1 loss, how can anyone say one is really that much better than the other? I don't I don't understand it. But people do feel like, you know, either Stipe is way better or Cormier is way better. And I just feel like I can't really chalk up either one to wins, you know, to luck. I just feel like they're both that good against each other that one, you know, like if you fight 10 times, maybe they win five and five, you know? So that's why I was kind of curious what you thought. Does Josh or Connor have any opinion on it? Quick victories? Love. It definitely does take that confluence of events, like, like Adam said. But yeah. I, I think he's right. They, they, when that confluence, when that opportunity arises, they're there to pounce on it. Mm-hmm. And that's not luck. Connor, are you in the yeah. UFC at all? Um, I mean, honestly, I watch fights here and there. Usually if I'm just like trying to, like if I'm bored and just like want to bet yeah. on something or I'm like just having some drinks with some friends and like it's on – um then i get into it i mean i've watched a bunch of fights but i'm not like super into it is what i would say so i don't really have too much of opinion on whether it's luck or not i kind of was actually going to say that i thought it was luck but with what you're saying on like how they prepare for that i mean i guess that makes sense because they do literally train just night and day for like literally i mean 
years obviously to prepare but like when the fight is announced like they know what they're going to try and do what their strategy right. is so from that perspective i guess it makes sense that they're going to try and go all in on some like move or like how it's going to happen right away and in that sense it's probably strategy and not just luck so. gotcha all right the next one um i don't know if everyone here is big movie guys if they like to watch a lot of movies if they don't i know some people aren't big into movies but I see a lot of people that watch movies a lot of times, the same movie. <laughs> so I'm not that kind of guy, but I wanted to throw this out there because I was just curious. So 10% or less of movies deserve to be watched more than once, foul or no foul. Connor, you can start. 10% or less of movies deserve to be watched more than once. I mean, I think no foul. I'm, I'm pretty much a movie elitist. So um, if like, I mean, yeah, most movies are just not all that good. Uh, there are very few movies that I've watched more than once, and I really, really like them. And they're like, you know, just good movies. So I, I don't really, I don't really watch a movie more than once unless it's that super good, and I'll probably change the channel or just straight up not watch it if it was a shitty movie. Like, why would I waste my time watching something that sucks? Right, I agree. Hey, I'm just checking, just checking. Adam, Josh, any of you guys <laughs> watch movies over and over, even if they're not no, that great? I, yeah, I totally agree. I'm also the type that like. It takes so much for me to watch a movie. Like I don't know why, but the idea of sitting down to watch a movie sounds miserable, but I could watch three episodes of a TV show that end up being longer than said movie and be fine. <laughs> it's just, it's weird how that works. It's something about like one story, but it being two hours long that just totally turns me off. I either want something that's like extremely expansive or just something that's shortened to the point. I, I I thought of it also because like I have three kids and my wife and they all watch movies and stuff and sometimes I'm like oh another shark movie you guys watch another shark movie great see you later see you guys in two hours like I just can't do it and then my kids they watch the same shit over I'm like did you not just watch <laughs> yeah. this ten minutes ago my god even the same YouTube shows the same episodes everything is I'm like what is going on with these people man but yeah I can't sometimes I just think about certain movies like, I can't give two hours to this right now there's got to be something more more important to do yeah, there are certain genres that just don't even deserve to be watched once and I think sharks would almost fit in that category <laughs> I hate right there shark too. movies I despise them <laughs> I mean if you want to watch the exact same thing literally just in some different like way shape or form watch a shark movie it's all literally the exact same thing it's terrible it's terrible josh you like shark movies man i can't i can't even think are there shark movies besides like jaws there are so many sharks. there's that 47 meters down or something like that where they get trapped in a cage and then there's like a few of those um there's like tons of movies with blonde girls stuck on an island or stuck on a boat that just tipped over the only movies I rewatch are like Pulp Fiction and Heat. So classics. Yeah, that's it. That's fair. I'll give a shout out to the movie that I've rewatched more than any other. It's this film called Waking Life. That's just a series of conversations that are all extremely philosophical in nature, and it takes place in like a dream world the whole time. I've rewatched that movie probably more times than anything else because I just find it really interesting, and it brings up a lot of interesting philosophical conversations. But like your standard one storyline film like i can watch it once and be like that was good like i appreciate that for what it is but if i can remember it i don't really want to go back and rewatch it outside of like comedies like i, I can rewatch a comedy a bunch but for like a drama or sci-fi film or something like once i see it once and i know that story i'm i'm good i i know what that is yeah that that philosophical movie take makes me look back i think my most commonly watched ones are like super bad and like training day <laughs> so i was like oh shit i might have to keep these to myself guys are over here dropping oh, philosophical yeah. movies 
All right. The last thing I wanted to mention, and I don't really have a file or no file for this, but did any of you guys see the uh, Chick-fil-A, Popeyes, Wendy's slanders all over Twitter fighting with each other? No. Oh, man. Listen, listen. I, I like I like these, these fast food social media accounts. They're pretty funny. So I guess Popeyes just released a chicken sandwich. I didn't know they had one. I guess it just happened. And then Chick-fil-A recently, like, took a shot at them, and they were like, you know, bun plus chicken plus pickle. You got to love the original. And then Popeye's like, you guys okay over there? Like, they retweeted them, but like, you guys okay over there? And then Wendy's is like, you got these fools are just arguing over who has the second best chicken sandwich. And I was like, this is hilarious right now. Like, who runs these accounts? Like, this is classic. But I was like, do, I was like, do these get people to buy their sandwiches? Like, who's really winning here in this? I feel like Popeye's is winning because they have the new sandwich. And, like, people are just kind of like, I never tried that before, you know? But I was like, Wendy's is winning. Wendy's has dominated Twitter for years. They are killing it. They are killing it. And they just, they yeah. pull these spicy nuggets away and bring them back every couple months. And it's like, <laughs> can you just leave them? Like, this is really working on everybody every time you do this. Does anyone have a definitive chicken sandwich over here? When I like Chick fil A. Chick fil A. The thing with Chick fil A is, and tell me if anyone else agrees, is that there's chicken meat sometimes is like weird sizes. I yeah, I completely. Sometimes agree. They have, like, I've never fat, really gotten thick the chicken. whole Chick Fil A thing, but they definitely so, do that. Where you'll get like a piece of chicken on bread, and you're like, I don't. This isn't able to be eaten like this. Yeah, I don't know how this is gonna work. Wendy's keeps like, it nice and flat. I don't know what's up with Chick Fil A. Sometimes it's fucking. They, so they grow all their chickens the same size. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what kind of what's the popular chicken out there, Connor? I don't trust Adam. You guys got? Do you I guys have all three Chick Fil A, Popeyes, and Wendy's or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we also have a lot of like, I don't know, just like chicken places, just uh, like local chicken shops. I don't know where Adam lives, but I mean, there's just a ton. He, of he lives in the I south live side. Near... He lives in the south yeah, side of Chicago. That's not true at all. <laughs> 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 Trying to give him some street cred. No, I live near one of the best chicken places in all of Chicago. It's this place called Crisp. They do Korean chicken. If you've never oh, been there, yes. I've, been, I've never been there, but. Korean like uh, fried chicken or whatever like Korean yeah. wings are so good. Yeah, that place is the best, man. I yeah, I've been there many times and it's it's phenomenal. I heard Connor's catering business makes a mean chicken sandwich. I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying, just saying. All right, oh, so man. that's it for Fowler No Foul, guys. Um, hey, we close this out with a little show and tell. If anybody has anything that they want to share, uh, products, podcasts, music, books, thoughts, Adam dropping philosophy maybe from his movie over there advice literally anything um like adam said i I mentioned a podcast i don't know if it was last week or the week before um this week it's a a music artist uh a rapper named ybn corday i don't know if anyone's heard his album it's a new album called the lost boy um i highly recommend it i won't go into deep details just if you like music and you want to hear a new artist he's talented go check him out anyone else have anything today connor did you bring anything to the table or you want to go last i'll go last you go last all right josh you got anything today you know, I use this service called um, Runners Connect, and they they for people who don't want to pay for a coach but like want most of that same thing. I don't know how many people would, would even be interested in that in the Clock Dodgers audience, but it's a really great service. What and is it they called? Deserve a shout out. It's called Runners Connect, and it's basically online running coaching. So, like, if you want to do any kind of event, they will do a schedule for you. And you can talk to him about like uh, problems you're having with running, like injuries. They're great. Connor, Fantastic. Connor, in case you weren't aware, Josh is our resident runner. Um, oh, nice. He, he once claimed to be the fastest runner in fantasy football, but 
we've recently <laughs> we've recently good. discovered that that's so not accurate sad. at all at all so uh i'll let you figure out who the fastest runner is i won't mention his name to protect josh's uh you know feelings but it ain't josh uh adam you got anything to share today man I mean, I guess I kind of already did <laughs> with dropping the the waking life thing. Oh so, yeah. Uh, Tell yeah, us where I to mean, find it. Where can we find it? I I did. What's that? Where can, where can we you find, find it? it? Yeah. I actually think it's on YouTube. Oddly enough, uh, I will actually I will search for it right this second to verify this. But I did watch it on YouTube once, not that long ago. Um, and oddly, it was completely on there. Okay, so unfortunately, it's not completely on there unless you pay for it through there. Um, but I have a feeling you can find it um, somewhere on the internet. If you're I don't know, somewhere that shows movies. Not that but yeah, it, that. essentially it's a great um, it. It's a great film. It, it's essentially just a series of conversations, like I said. Uh, but one thing that's really neat about it is the entire film uh, was filmed, and then they used a technique called rotoscoping, which is where you actually have artists draw over every frame of a film. Um, so the entire film is like this very weird abstract kind of trippy um drawing state that changes from frame to frame to frame uh which is really neat um but again like the reason that i always appreciated it was just because of the philosophical conversations in it and uh i actually pulled up a quote because i'm you know super neat so the quote uh which is from one of the conversations that i really love is the quest is to be liberated from the negative which is really our own will to nothingness. And once having said yes to the instant, the affirmation is contagious. It bursts into a chain of affirmations that knows no limit. To say yes to one instant is to say yes to all of existence. Fire. And there's, there's a lot of cool stuff like that in there. And I don't know, I've always really loved the film. It always has uh, given me a lot of thought uh, and... I've always been fascinated by philosophy, and that's one of the films that, to me, kind of encompasses a lot of um, the most intriguing questions around philosophy for me. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to come back super enlightened next episode. Hey, Connor, it's hard to follow that up, but uh, you got anything, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to kind of stick on, like, the same boat here. I was actually listening to this podcast the other day, and it sounds kind of... uh, cheesy but it was actually on uh joe rogan's podcast he had a guy on named naval ravikant and he's uh essentially like this guy who created a website um for startup companies and just like really focuses on how to improve your life um and how to be successful not from like a wealth perspective uh or like a money perspective just like how to be happy essentially and maximize your life and like what you should really be focusing on and kind of like what matters. So I thought like he had like a two hour podcast with Joe Rogan who, I mean, say what you want about him. He's pretty good at interviewing um, and he didn't really contribute too much of his own ideas, but just like really, uh, I thought did a great job getting the most out of this interview. And it was, it was really cool. It was a cool two hours that uh, I think Jonathan Bales, I don't know, he's like a big guy in the fantasy industry originally tweeted out a bunch of, uh, bunch of quotes from that interview. And so it caught me onto that and it was just like a really, really strong uh, podcast that is definitely worth checking out for anyone interested in like uh, uh, I guess philosophical ways of uh, trying to impact and change their life for the better. Yeah, I hundred percent second that man. That was a great episode. He has a, he has a great Twitter follow too. He has oh, lot, absolutely. He has a lot of great like ideas and stuff. He has his own. He has a podcast too, but it's just like 
him talking to somebody else about like his book or something. I forget what it was at that time. I went through the whole podcast, but it's pretty good, pretty interesting stuff. It's a lot of lightning stuff in there. And like you said, good for people who are trying to, you know, be ambitious and go out there and do something. Um, so yeah, definitely second that. All right. So we all, we all shared something. Hopefully people go check those out. Um, I'm definitely going to check some of those things out. Uh, Connor, we appreciate you for joining us today, man. We appreciate you for spreading your, your, your advice here, even though you think it's not so great sometimes <laughs> your history, here, your history here, at least you think it's not so, so not a great, yeah. but it's, all I'm right. batting less than 500 for sure on the clock Dodgers <laughs> podcast. So, I mean, good for you guys. When you agreed with, disagreed with me earlier, the odds are in your favor. Nah, man. <laughs> I think I see it going up for you, man. You're, you're going to do, you're fine. You did good, but let them know where they can find you where, Hey, maybe you're better than you are here on, on the cloud Dodgers podcast, um, on social media, but also where they can find like your content and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, for sure. So a lot of my content is uh, via my Twitter feed at, at Connor Allen NFL. And then you can find most of my work at Roto World and the Quant Edge. Um, the Quant Edge will have some packages coming out soon. We're dropping a bunch of new tools. I'm super excited for the upcoming season. Like it's going to be a lot of stuff that really no other website has in the fantasy industry. So if you want like a free week trial or anything, hit me up. Um, and I'll get you in there because it, it's going to be an awesome season. And I'm super pumped. Awesome. Definitely check everything out that Connor does. He does a great job. Hard work and do with a lot of good insight. We just joke around about the being wrong on here. He's a great dude. <laughs> and, uh, Josh, you can find Josh at JC Crocker on Twitter. And he's got a lot of shit on player profile, like every day, something new. Um, fantastic and, articles, fantastic Very stuff, <laughs> Low, no calories for those who are on a keto diet. You get no calorie running back. So you can go check out. Yeah. Um, and then Adam is at the other FF guy because that's who he is. He's just the other FF guy. And you can find Adam here at clock Dodgers. I think otherwise he's pretty lazy these days. Um, <laughs> I'm like, Neil, I just talk anymore. We just talk. That's it. That's all we do. We don't even run like Josh does. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You can find me at clock Dodgers. Uh, clouddodgers.com is the website and subscribe review all that good stuff and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast thank you again connor we appreciate it absolutely i appreciate you guys having me on this is a lot of fun yeah thanks so much man as always guys be kind be great keep dodging Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.